Well, welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you something, people. I, I've, I've decided in the last two days that I am technically, when it comes to computers and stuff, the stupidest person on the play- face of the earth. Last night, because I was out of town, I didn't take my tablet with me. I'm trying to put my tablet on. It doesn't go on. And I'm charging it. It doesn't go on. And I'm freaking out, thinking it's broken. It turns out I had to hold. I called. I actually called Google support. And all I had to do was actually had to hold the button for a few seconds. And then this morning, my Chromebook, I didn't turn it off last night, so it lost all its charge. I can't put it on, so I go, okay, maybe it's a charge. So I plug in my my charger, and I'm sitting there, and it's not working. I'm thinking the Chromebook's broken. Well, it turns out that I actually never connected the two parts of the charger, so it wasn't even charging. So I'm just giving up on technology, and that's all I'm going to say. And uh, we're going to get to our guest. We're going to get to our guest today. He's a, he's a very funny guy. He's been in a ton of stuff. He's taking a picture of me right now, which uh, is very cool. Okay. My guest is Brian Husky. How you doing, Brian? Hey, guys. You know you know what's funny is, I because I do the IMDB, there's, there's a yeah. Brian Husky who was on Top Chef. Oh, I know. I'm my my Google alerts are ruined now because right. I'm just getting so many updates on his life. No, I was surprised. I was because you put I mean because it's not and you spell it as H U S K E Y, so it's not like Husky, you know. Yeah, and so it doesn't seem like a common name. No, and but you know it's weird. I was telling a friend of mine about this the other night. There, I grew up in Charlotte, and there were six Brian Huskies in Charlotte. Oh, really? And then when I was in, I lived in Brooklyn. There were a bunch there. Uh, there was a baseball player. There's some failed country musician. Uh, I mean, it's a name that keeps trying, and hopefully, right. <laughs> either myself or the chef are going to make it stick. It's a catchy name, though. It is great, right? It's a, I mean, and you probably have the same thing that happened to me. My name being Steve Cooper. When I was a kid, everyone called me Cooper. I bet everyone called you by your last name. Yeah, there's all sorts of. Uh, I'm uh, Husker Du, uh, Husk Man, Husk. Um, Husky. That, that's what I was thinking. You know, I was thinking it's like it's a fun way. But my my mom remarried when uh, I was young, and so my name would have been Brian Clifford. Which that's, is, is that's not that's but that's like one of those that's like a soap opera name. Like uh, the character Brian Clifford is played this week. By yeah, an actor. and that's but I, I like Husky though, especially oh, it's acting. Much better. It's got a good catch to it. Brian Clifford just sounds like a victim. He so just, did did he, you change your name to Brian, or did you just go as Husky? Uh, no, we, uh, when they married, he, he like adopted us essentially okay. said, I'm going to, yeah. So we could have been Brian Husky Clifford, which would have been, you know, but then no. that makes it sound like a, a fat Cliff. That I had married, that I yeah. <laughs> or that I had married my mom or something weird. <laughs> Very confusing. So you're from North Carolina. And, yeah. uh, now as a kid was, were you, was comedy cause you've, you've gone into improv and acting. Mm-hmm. Like, was that, was that around your house? Did you, was there any influences? I mean, what did you remember watching stuff and saying, God, you know, I, I want to do that. I mean, cause a lot of people sit there like with comics, they're like, Oh, we listen to prior. Or, right. Like that. What, what was your, like as a kid, did you know you wanted to do this? I did. Like, um, the big, my sister is really funny and we would do bits. I mean, bits as you know, kids together, but we, but, we would also kind of cling to each other. We were very <laughs> antisocial. Okay. So we just play with each other a lot uh, to the degree where one time my mom forced us to go across the street and we showed up at our, our neighbor's house. She opened the door and we're like, we're here to play with your kids <laughs> and like, weeping and freaking out. But uh, so she and I, we were really into uh, Carol Burnett. I'm adjusting okay. the mic here. Um, and so like Carol Burnett was a big thing for me. I was really, I'm really into Don Knotts and uh, Tim Conway and Harvey Corman. It's amazing, and because a lot of the younger generation hasn't got to see that. But I was as a kid, I watched Cal Burnett, and it was just amazing how funny Tim Conway is. I yeah. mean, those sketches with him and Harvey Corman. I heard that they would sit there. I had a, I had a guest going, Gene Perret, who wrote for that show, mm. and he was saying how. 
Conway would just go off script and just try to just that was a thing yeah. and if you look now and as a kid you really don't notice but you see Corman like biting his cheek because yeah, yeah. Conway his goal if he would be pissed if he didn't get Corman to like at yeah, least totally. break character and it was that's and that's the thing it was such great comedy and yeah. it was just basic it was fun it was like you know some people say oh it wasn't that highbrow but it was just funny and that's what I think for me comedy has always been just being funny and it was a good the thing I'd like now I realize it, it was a good kind of bridge between it a little bit of sort of like um, Sid Caesar and 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 sort of early television. Um, we're going to do some not sketches per se, but we're going to do kind of like a onstage vaudeville kind of send up, right. like over the top characters and stuff. But there's some there's something that was still hip about it, like they were in between the the, the two sort of you know worlds. And I guess I guess at that time, what was that? That was like the seventies, I guess. Yeah. Right. So it was that that was laughing. Was right. had already happened and stuff. So they were they were definitely they were you know they weren't like edgy. Ooh, my mic keeps sagging. I'm sorry um, about that. Uh, they weren't edgy and stuff, but they were they funny. Were, yeah, they're funny, and they're and and then you know Harvey Corman hooks up with Mel Brooks and stuff, and and they do stuff that is kind of edgy, but yeah, it's, no, but it's still vaudeville crazy, you know, Borch Belt. I got to ask you this question because you said about Don Knotts, and now you know, and I'm I'm a Don Knotts fan, but. Do, who who did you like better, Roper, Mister Roper, or Mister Farley? So, somebody asked me that the other I'm night. I'm just wondering because I I loved I loved Mister I loved him because he was Helen yeah. Helen. He looking he was so deadpan Roper all okay. the way. But Don I mean Don Knotts was great. And as I was doing comedy, you notice back in like the late '80s, early '90s, like yeah. every impression did Don Knotts. Yeah. To a point, you're like, okay, it's I mean people who don't do impressions can do Don Knotts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. can you do Don Knotts? Uh, I would rather not. Okay, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> just just to, his just, legacy, yeah. just in honor of him. So, okay, so you're a kid, you're watching Cabernet, and you're and you and your sister are doing these little plays because you don't you because you it's fun. Yeah. Now, now, do you have any idea that you're going to take that into your career at that well, moment or at my? Wait. So in second grade, and I have this framed on my wall. I wrote a speech about how I'm going to be a comedian. Okay. When I grow up, um, and I said I'm not going to be one of these hack comedians that gets a pie in the face i'm gonna do intelligent edgy stuff like don knotts uh tim conway i cited all my you know all my heroes right and and then i you know i was really into it i was always sort of thinking about it but then as i got into high school um i i discovered uh monty python and uh woody allen and something in me I try. I tried to do some plays, and there's some experience I had in doing the plays that turned me off to it. I was like, well, maybe I'll be a writer. So I, I focused more on sort of like I'm going to do comedy writing. And then when I got to college, I said, well, maybe I'll try it again. I went to the theater department, and I said, I'm an English major. Now, where did you go to college? Uh, UNC at Greensboro. Okay. Uh, not a great school. I mean, it was, it was fine. It was fine. I wanted to go some other places. My parents were like, yeah, you can apply there, but we're going to send you here because we okay. don't have any money. And then, uh, um, <laughs> so they kind of, yeah, they kind of lied to me a little bit. Um, but I basically got like my dreams squashed by this arrogant theater. Uh, don't you hate that professor? It, who, it's it's like, there's such there's such dicks sometimes. It's like I it's always so irresponsible. Up, yeah, you know? and it's like you you know basically enhance tell someone they can do it and if they suck yeah then you're, then gonna, you you're, gonna, you're gonna find out if you're writing comedy sketches and you're getting apps you're gonna sit there and go okay i'm not funny yeah but i hate that like i know i talked to one uh, comic orny adams was on and he said like the club owner in atlanta was like well you're just not funny mm. well, wait, you know you don't tell you know the first time on stage no one's 
fun. I mean, yeah. you get laughs, but you and it's just crazy. So the person yes, told you, well, I just said like I'm interested in doing improv. I want to start like a comedy thing. Um, I don't know anything about performing, you know, apart from just my own curiosity. How should I approach this? And he said, unless you dedicate your life to theater, there's you have no business dabbling in anything theatrical. And I was See, like, what? Yeah, it's like, and you're teaching at a Division Three yeah. school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, you're, I was not, like, you're not at like Yale. You're not teaching at a great. Uh, like, why do you have department? a British accent? You're yeah. not even British. <laughs> this yeah. is insane. He's from North Carolina, yeah. and he's got you like, what the hell, man? Your monocle fell out. Exactly. And you don't need that. Well, that's always cracks me up. That's like, I remember when I moved out here, there was an acting class uh, taught by Richard Klein, who was mm. a Larry. On, yeah. Uh, Reese company yeah, yeah. and I'm like okay who's gonna okay he was that character and then he did nothing else right now why are you gonna take an acting class from that person if they knew yeah wouldn't they be working I mean that, that's what always cracks me it's these people yeah. they're, sometimes they're like your professor like they have such a pompous uh, attitude well it's just yeah and, and my take on him is like oh you're just you're bitter you're taking it on me but you know it, I I also for a long time I taught improv classes and then at a certain point I stopped because I started to realize I'm not giving what I would expect to get okay. from the teacher. And that's a real, you know, because it's such a vulnerable thing. Like, you're so vulnerable going into that. Stuff. And we're all insecure because we're yeah. in entertainment. I mean, it's, that makes yeah. it even worse. I mean, that, that yeah. kind of, it's vulnerable. And okay, so that's like, you're like, oh, my God, this is just, you know. Yeah, yeah. So when I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm kind of like not seeing them as people anymore. I'm just like, oh, I can't do this class, blah, blah, blah. So what happened in North Carolina? So you sat there and you talked to this teacher, but you did you stay in the theater program? Or, no, or? no, I didn't. I did English, and then uh, I played in a band. What do you and, play? Uh, bass, okay. bass guitar. Uh, the band's called Bicycle Face, okay. available on iTunes still. It's cool. No, it's funny because, uh, you know Ron Lynch? Yeah. He was just the one. He's in the band with Kapash and Craig Anton. Oh, uh-huh. And they play like the, the Tulsa Skull Swingers or something. Uh-huh. But it's just cool that, like, and it's so great that like, comics and actors play music, but you guys do it for fun. Right. And, and that's when I think it's the best. You don't do it like, okay, we're musicians. Yeah. And that must be great. Well, that was, I mean, I definitely went down the musician road. Okay. But, but that was at age, what, 19 through 22, when you should be stupid right. and try that stuff. So I did that. And then I got into photography. And so ultimately, I, I just kept the thing is, I wanted to, to do it so much that it started to become like this gigantic mountain to climb. Okay. And, and the stakes got bigger and bigger. So I was like, well, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then ultimately, I did photography. I moved to New York to go to photo school. I started hanging out with uh, Rob Corddry and a bunch of other actors. Now, how did you meet them? Because it's always funny. It's like with comics and with the comics we hung out with, we were talking earlier, like Adam McKay and Keith Robinson. Yeah. You're always, you know, we all started off together. So Wednesdays we'd be at the Comedy Works, Thursdays yeah. Comedy Factory Outlet. And so you always see those people. So you meet them. How did you meet these guys? This was totally uh, a friend, a mutual friend I went to high school with from North Carolina was working with him. She said, oh, my friend Rob is going out of town. He's in this theater company. He needs somebody to sublet their his apartment with these people uh he didn't tell me that the people i'd be living with were all perverts and disgusting <laughs> and then when he came back he uh, told you <laughs> he told me i was like these people are horrible like that one guy's got a foot fetish the other one's in the shit videos and stuff and he's like yeah yeah they're horrible and then so <laughs> well that's right then you can become friends because yeah. it's just like you're going either this guy's the biggest dick in the world or he's the coolest Right, you know that's because it's that's something that. Well, I mean, the thing was, he was like, "I'm not going to move in there with him," and I was like, "I don't want to live there." So we we're like, "Do you want to move together?" And we became roommates. So it was this thing of like, for a while, I was doing that 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 kind of thing of 
I was like, oh man, I'm glad I'm not an actor because I had to be all, you know, conscious of how I look and all this kind of stuff. I'm glad I'm a photographer, which I was basically saying like, I really want to do what you're doing. Right. And then we slowly, he was getting interested in comedy and then he was in a sketch group. Was he going to be act? Was he there to act or he was just, what was he there for? He was there to act. Okay. He went to uh, UMass for, okay. for theater and, um, you know, and he was doing like Shakespeare and, and, and plays and stuff. But then he got into a sketch group that was not terrible, but it was not great. And he was like, I think you're funnier than them. Why don't we start to do stuff? And then the big change was hooking up with uh, Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Now, did you get them in the near the beginning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were like the second wave of classes or something, which I know, makes me feel so It's so amazing. Old. Well, it's so funny. I sit there and, you know, if you follow a comedy which I you know doing this and knowing a lot of actors and comics it's just amazing when you talk to people and you're like wow like they were in the beginning of like when Del Close was in Chicago yeah. you know it's like wow because yeah. like, I know my friend used to do Improv Olympic out here and that was 12 mm-hmm. years ago and already then like people like Neil Flynn and all those guys had moved out here but it's like wow these guys were yeah. you know and that's just amazing like I have people who started when the comedy started out in Philadelphia like there was no clubs I mean like yep. we, and we're like well we just had the bar in your University of Pennsylvania and it was Wayne Cotter and Paul Provenza they like we just go in there and we just start showing up and then yeah. people start showing up and it's just it must be crazy because like you're probably like you're, you're one of those people like now like people who are up or is up yeah. still going? They're, yeah, yeah. You yeah. guys, you guys are like, uh, like, like royalty. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's like you're. It's like wow. Or I mean, people must look up to you. I guess so. I mean, you know, there's such a. It's a combination of my. Uh, it's it's hard for me to be objective about where I am with stuff because I want to be somewhere else. Right. You know, that's the danger of this work. I think that. I mean, more no more to that. I would like consistent employment where I don't have to worry about okay I've done this job now I have to audition for the next one get on a show or whatever but um, but there's such turnover at the theater there's such there's which is great there's always a new wave of people that I think they their awareness is sort of like oh yeah that guy looks familiar I know he did stuff here but then there's someone else that they're looking up to even in a more tangible way because they're maybe not quite there but they're almost there, and, and that seems more doable. Okay. Does that make sense? I'm yeah, I think, I, no, I think it makes sense because it, I think it's like anything. If someone's a what the hell's that? This, thing, this microphone it, is it, garbage. It usually works well. I know I'm pissed it's off me. now. It's me. No, it's, it's, it doesn't like you, bro. <laughs> it really doesn't. I'll just say, I'm going to slouch with you it. Know, maybe we can jump to that microphone if you want to jump over there. I'm just going to do, yeah. I, I like this. This is okay, this, this is part of our conversation. Yeah, yeah. The he's mic. like, hey, uh, you can't see people. The microphone's like eight feet up high, and he's arching his neck and like yelling into it. It's like he has a megaphone. Until I, I, my needs are small. And I understand what you're saying because it's like anything. Because but they're you know it's like everyone gets attached to certain you know like yeah. a comic who's like we would say it, like and you technically for you guys it was the class before right but for us it was like the comics who started out and then there was a class in front of us and yeah the class behind us. I mean it's like like McKay of course is right. like you know amazing and he's an amazing guy really s- sweet guy I haven't seen him forever I sent him a message on Facebook about doing my show yeah and he said. I will do it because you guys, when we did comedy, you were always nice and you took me to gigs. Mm-hmm. But then his secretary had to cancel, and I'm like, well, yeah, he's Adam McKay. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. Like, yeah, he just doesn't have a random Tuesday free. Yeah, you know, totally. I mean, the guy is involved in everything. And the funny thing about Adam is, and this is God's honest truth, all that stuff you see in Anchorman, uh, you know, a lot of those, it's go time or it's uh-huh. uh, the gun show. He was doing that stuff in like 88 on stage. Yeah. Like when crowd would get pissed, he'd be like, 
you know what time it is? It's go time. It's And all that stuff. And yeah. years later, you see it in a movie. And it's very similar to you said you're a Woody Allen fan. Mm-hmm. If you listen to Woody Allen's stand-up, a lot of his jokes about escape, one of them is uh, escaping prison. I, I escaped to prison with, with, mm-hmm. was a, uh, and a charm bracelet. And uh-huh. then take the money and run. That's the, They do the exact thing. Yeah. So it's just weird how that comes out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, that... To me, that's that. That is drawing from who you are, right. what your voice is, and stuff. So you're in Chicago. You're you're in New York. Citizens, I mean, New York. I'm yeah. Upright citizens, great. And now, is it popular in the very beginning, or did it take time to build momentum? It, it took it took time. It took a little time. But I mean, that's the thing. Like, I feel incredibly lucky and and not honored. I just like incredibly lucky that I got to be there at the, that start. You know, the beginning of something like that. And it was really the the thing that made me. When I started to do it, I was like, oh, I get this. This is exactly what I need to, to, to be the catalyst that I need to start acting and stuff. Was it reminded me of the, the music scene that I'd come from, that it was supportive and yet you're independent about what you want to do and what your collective of people that you link up with is going to do. Um, and it was good. I, you know, I don't think I could, I was, in college, I would, I, I, I tried to write a paper on stand up. And I went to stand-up clubs, and I tried to find some guys to interview, and it just wasn't the vibe. It it bummed me out. Like they just seemed sad <laughs> and lonely. Well, it, it can be. That's the yeah. thing. Like when you're in a city with guys who are starting out, there is that com- that camaraderie. And right. when you know, I mean, when I was on the road. I mean, the worst thing is when you had to share a condo with a guy who was the, the hackiest act around, and mm-hmm. you just didn't like him. I mean, it happened was like the guy who sits there and goes to the pool and takes his wedding ring off, but he yeah. doesn't notice that he had, doesn't have a tan right there. So everyone knows he's a douchebag. <laughs> and you sit there and you go, "Oh God!" You know, I, I remember working with this one guy whose act was just so awful. Like he was such a hack, and he would just come back and crack open a bottle of Doors and drink the whole thing, Ugh. and you'd be sitting there on the couch trying to watch TV. Eh, yeah, I should have banged that. And it's like, dude, you're married. Yeah. And he'd be like, "Well, tomorrow's date night." And I'm like, you, uh, you know, it's, 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 I'm a horrible person, by yeah, the way. You should know that. Exactly. Okay. There's just, just there, that's the thing with comedy. There was, there's a lot of just miserable dicks. Yeah. And it, it's sad because there's a bunch of great people, but you're by yourself a lot. And, yeah. And that's the thing. Like with comedy, like I did a sketch group out here for a little bit. I started. And we were, when we wrote, when we practiced and stuff, it was fun. And, mm-hmm. and, and you depend on them. And yeah. In your comedy, you're self centered because if you suck, you, you can't leave the stage. Yeah. You know, if, if, a, if a sketch sucks, you know it's going to be done in a few minutes. Right. And you can sit there and go, well, it may have not been me. It may, may have been flat. You know, just yeah. it's crazy. The only thing, the thing I wish I, that, that I think stand-ups have more, uh, maybe at the beginning, than, than it's taken me a long time to learn. And I think I still haven't learned it. It's just the business approach to it. Like, I just, I was like, oh, I'll do funny stuff and someone will see me and put me in things and that'll happen. And that's a very sort of like let's play the lottery approach. And I think a lot of stand-ups have an understanding of like you go out there, you build an audience, you build your voice. You're more in control of what's happening. Right, that's true, and it, it's changed a lot. Because back, like you know, we I've talked about some other comics. You know, when when I was you were trying to get work back then, mm-hmm. you you it cost it cost you money because yeah. you had to send the club, you had to have a VHS tape <laughs> and your and your press pack, and you had to mail that, and you yep. had to tape, and you know, club owners who had stacks and stacks totally. of those tapes who never, you know, they probably wish the VCRs were around forever because yeah. all they had to do is put tape on the things and tape over it yeah, yeah. And, but you knew yeah he was like I want to get work and you you had to hustle more but I think mm-hmm. but with what well, with your with uh with when you were back in New York there's not there you don't go comedy groups and something like that don't go out on the road right you know so that's the difference you're not yeah. I mean it seems like it was Chicago New York even Philadelphia had didn't really have a big improv thing I think they had comedy sports they didn't yeah. really have they didn't really have a 
scene in Philly was all stand up. So right. it, it was back then. There's probably there wasn't a lot of venues for you guys. I'm guessing. Well, it was yeah. It was like at that point there were, there was a uh, um, a coming together of of uh, the UCB. Um, and then the Lower East Side had this comedy scene that was like Mark Marin and, and David Cross, and it was, a, uh, it was like Luna Lounge, um, invite them up. And there started to be some cross-pollination okay. between like the indie comics scene and, and the improv scene and sketch scene. Because there was like a blurring of the line of like what stand-up was. It became more like conceptual bits and, and weirdness and stuff. So we were... Uh, the sketch group that we started was uh, called Naked Babies, and it was me, Seth Morris, Rob Corddry, and John Ross Bowie. And so we started to play, like we would get nights, or you know, get to do Luna Lounge and stuff. And so we would get to do bits. How'd you come around. up with the name? I always wonder because when my sketch group, we came up with the name. We couldn't think of anything, and I came up with the name, The Bitter Optimists. That's funny. And it was something, but I, but I was like, it's so hard because if it, you don't want to sound. But Naked Babies is. Is catching. Yeah, well, it was. Well, we were all like the thing that kept us together a lot of, or you know, our, our collective sort of interest was like we all love indie rock. So it was all about you know good names that weren't sort of like pretentious, and and so many improv names are like the Chuckle Doctors, yeah. and, you know, just terrible. And it's about being sort of winky, but then after a while, I was like, I'm fucking sick of saying the name of this group. I can't right. do it anymore. Um, but that was that was in a pinch. Uh, Cordry had to come up with the name because he got his sister to book us to do a show. And this was an early iteration of the group, so some different members, um, to do a show at her college. And she's like, what's the, what's the group's name? And he's like, oh, fuck me, I have a name. So he literally looked down at, he was at Barnes & Noble, and there was a coffee table book called Naked Babies. And it was just a picture of that's, cute little babies. That's so funny. That's it's so Yeah, it's so hard, though. And that's perfect. It's, yeah. I think that's how names think. Because I remember we, originally our group was, I forget what we was going to call them, but I was driving down and there's a box company here on Olive. And mm-hmm. it was like, Boxes shipping something, and yeah. it just—I was like, oh, "That'd be a cool name," but then yeah, I'm like, yeah. "But then it's sort of—they're like, no, what the hell?" But it's just weird that they came up and it, it yeah. stuck. And then it was great; it was fine until the internet came up. And then if you did a search, it was like you'd be lucky. It was like, "Oh, here's a bunch of you know horrible imagery that, right. <laughs> <laughs> or comedy, yeah. either one." <laughs> so who wrote, who did you guys all write the material together? Yeah, we'd write stuff together, or we'd write, come in with a sketch, and then kind of like workshop it together. Um, as we went on, like our first show is sort of like, we, we were really into, we were really into, like, we were the most self-reflective sketch group around. Like all of our stuff was about how sad we were and how sad we were with our dating life and, and being kind of overly sensitive males. Okay. Uh, so, and, and we were obsessed with failure for some reason. So like a lot of our shows were just like these guys who were just couldn't get it right and just were kind of fuck ups and stuff. And then, and and we were really into this concept of uh, um, uh, sort of doing like emotional stunts. Like you would do something so extreme for yourself emotionally that it was like a stunt, like watching the Sweet Hero After on Christmas Eve, okay. or you know whatever. Um, reading your reading your uh, your girlfriend's journal on stage, like we do bits like that. But you, it wasn't really someone's girlfriend's journal. No, no, oh, no I was going to say that be that be that be horrible. That be terrible. But uh, see, I think I think people though appreciate that because. And it's so funny, and the people who aren't in the business, I think they have the. Uh, that being said, idea. we also did terrible. We did sketches about the Hulk. 
Okay, but, you know. but I say I think people don't. They always they always think like improv and sketch groups. Like, hey, let's go. You know, that's like that's yeah. what they've been portrayed in Saturday Night Live and yep. different shows. And I think with yours is good because everyone can relate to it. Though, I mean, yeah, were, were you guys getting good? Were people come up and say, "Yeah, we really dug that sketch"? What was some of the reviews you got from people? Well, it, you know, it just it, like anything, we started to to build up. I mean, our first show was called "We Hate Myself," and so you know, we wanted to set the tone of like here's kind of our perspective and stuff and it 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 was probably about the third second or third show that we started to to kind of build up a little bit and then the the ucb was really good about keeping us which pissed off everyone we performed with keeping us together on improv teams you know they had these things called herald teams right where you do like a, a, a weekly performance on performance night they would always they'd break up the teams and reconfigure them if they weren't working, but they would never break us up. Because you guys are working. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, but you know, it was always sort of like, oh, here are the four guys who never get broken up, and we're all going to be built around them like we're the <laughs> new backup band. Um, and we were like, yeah, you are. So, so you're doing you're, you're getting popular, and now mm-hmm. now where do you go from there? I know I know like you know reading your stuff, you were in like your own VH1's Best Week Ever and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Did now you're in New York, you're doing this the brigade, right? And now, where do you go with your acting from there? Do you sit there and go, okay, I can only do this for so long? Or what is which avenue do you take to advance your career? Oh, I, I, I appreciate that you think I actually thought about that stuff because I did. I just was like, oh, my God, I hope I get – I hope somebody lets me do something. Okay. You know? But it really was like tiny, tiny goals of like, you know, we started the one of the things that like you start to get uh, roped in for doing bits on Conan, you know, and that starts to happen. And, and that's from people come and see your shows and they go, okay, these yeah. guys are funny. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, and then commercials starting to go after commercials. Now, you've been in a lot of commercials. Yeah. Now, do you remember your first commercial you booked? And did you have to do a lot of auditions? There's a guy, I mean, do you know Chip Chinnery? He had about 12 nationals in one year. But oh, wow. He went for like 150. 49 auditions didn't get anything yeah and then at 150 he got it and then just went yeah did you, did you go for a lot of auditions and not get them before you got your first commercial yeah 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 i think so then there's a learning curve i mean i think i didn't i was learning acting or performing while doing improv at the same time and i feel like i was learning um the the auditioning stuff too you know and it and it's a, it's the thing of it just becomes demystifying or demystified as you do it but i had this concept and i think this is what kept me away from it and i had this concept of to be an actor or to be a comedian or something just like you have to intrinsically be born to do that and you can't really learn it and so i was always kind of talking myself out of it it's like i'm not learning this okay. I, you know but i know it's in there and you know you are learning it's anything you learn you learn what works for you and how to do it and, and what the conditions are and stuff. So it was, uh, yeah, did that. And I, and it was, uh, Phil Morrison, this director that I know from North Carolina who gave me my first, I think gig. It was a Snickers ad that I got. They didn't run. Did you have to eat a lot of Snickers? No, but I had to, we shot it at like 11 PM in January or something outdoors oh. so I just froze my testicles off in New York shut it yeah but I was so amazed I was like oh my god I'm, it's, it's happening it's right. finally happening and then they're like oh yeah they're not going to run your spot I was like no that doesn't ha- no that can't happen exactly. so that was my burst my first bitch slap you know of that that thing of like oh don't you, know, you don't cash the check until it's exactly well, it's, it's so and it's so bad well now it's changed a friend of mine's on an NFL commercial and uh, great guy and he's 
it, but it's not national. It's a buyout, so mm-hmm. it stinks. Like you know, mm-hmm. everyone sees it, and he's he bartends at a place around here at night, and it's like you, know, you can just see when a tr- commercial comes on, he wants to hide because yeah. he's like, it's just the thing. It's like, and he's thinking probably five years ago, it would have been a national. It would right. just be like, ching, ching, and it is totally different. Yeah, I mean, now if you get a even if you get a network, you're so like, oh great, this runs for two months, and then it goes to the internet. Like they're the the turnover. It's crazy. You don't get the Maytag ad that runs right. for twenty years, or the, or the who is it? Uh, the Madge, the quicker picker upper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she always looked like Cornelius from the Planet of the Apes, right? Etsy Walker. But the biggest, the the big, the big thing for me was these Sonic ads. You know, I'm I'm trying to think because they're the two guys now. Um, Peter Gross and um, oh god, because I, I remember your commercials for the uh, Toyota, I believe, or when it was uh, you were the minivan. You yeah. were the minivan dad. Right. What were the Sonic ones? How long ago this? I'm trying to think because I always I always get pissed at Sonic because I live in Burbank. Mm-hmm. I see the commercials. There's no Sonic around here, and this stuff looks. Even though it's you know as we were talking about the sodium, we have to watch it. It yeah. just looks good. You're like, oh look at those hot dogs. I'm gonna do my ba- sodium thing. It's not around here. No, it's basically like stoner food that's run by a super conservative company. <laughs> like they're just promote. They're they might as well be selling meth. It's like the same thing, but it. Uh, yeah, they're in the Midwest, uh, and I did them uh, with this lady, Molly Erdman, um, who's a Chicago Were you guys in the car? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay Same now scenario, now. and literally- I remember them now, okay. And, and this is this is sort of the genesis of, of you know the company we were working with and, and, and the Midwestern attitude they had. They're like, basically like, oh, we've been getting letters saying, why do you have a couple of faggots sitting in a car talking about food? Why don't you have like a married couple? So they're like, so they they literally said, "Oh, we should have a married couple talking." Wow, it's just so crazy. And then it became, and then it just became basically the 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 vibe of it was, and they did a great job. The writers did an amazing job, like really keeping the tone within that kind of thing of like, "Oh, this is universal, but it's still funny." But it was, I'm an idiot, the husband, and she deals with it. Well, you know, that's like marketing now, and I'll be honest, and you know, in your commercials, and so you but. It seems like every guy's an idiot in commercials. Mm-hmm. The burst was there was a special K one a few years ago where the guy says something about, uh, "Yeah, you can watch your weight." Oh, am I getting fat? And then mm-hmm. she's like totally abuses the guy. And I'd have been like, the, any guy would be like, "Well, yeah, you are getting yeah, fat." Yeah. Eat this, but and, and like even the Allstate, the girl's like, "Oh, how did I get a discount?" Oh, and you said women aren't good drivers. It makes we all yeah. look like dicks in these commercials. Yeah, totally. It's awful. It's like I mean, it's it's. Not truth in advertising. There's a lot of dicks out there, but we don't all act like dumbasses. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing is, like, when I would travel sometimes, maybe, I mean, mainly, like, in the Midwest and stuff, I get recognized for that a lot. And they, they <laughs> it always made me sad when somebody was like, oh, my God, you you guys are just like my husband and I. Because I'm like, oh, man, you're, you need a divorce. You need counseling. Because... Every time we do those commercials, after we end the bit, we'd be like, "You know what? I want a divorce." It's just like <laughs> that's funny because it's like the moment before. <laughs> now, were you living in New York when you got those, or were you out here already? Uh, New York, and then we moved out to uh, out to here. Okay, so you're in New York. You're getting that, those commercials. Yeah. Now, what other work are you getting at the time? I know because yeah, I'm looking at your at your um, IMDb page. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and IMDb is so great. Wikipedia is sometimes crazy because I talk to someone, they're like. I don't have four brothers. Yeah, <laughs> because I'm not from Pittsburgh. I'm not I do my research. I think okay, and it's like me saying to you because I saw from North Carolina. Oh, so you're from uh, South Carolina? No, yeah. well, Wikipedia said that. And like, I don't. They had a great <laughs> thing in the newsroom where like the ladies like they got my stuff wrong, and like she couldn't change it. They had to get yeah. someone to write something to change it. It's like, no, I'm the person it's about. But the internet it. said it. It's yeah. true. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, so we were doing. So I was doing. 
that and then my friend Jason Mantukas and I started writing some stuff together. We sold a couple of scripts, movie scripts. No, they didn't even get made? No. No, very close. So that's, close. But you had options. So like, yeah, okay, but that's awesome, though. Yeah, it was great. It was super exciting. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Because I optioned a script years ago. And that's one thing. I, I said there, I never give myself credit for that. I only made, you know, it's like 1500 against 100000 Yeah. But I'm sitting there going, when I look back, I go, wow, I actually optioned. There's so many people writing. I said, I just fell into it. And I'm like, and it's so weird. We never, a lot of people, we don't give ourselves credit because we're like, oh, it's only $1,500. Yeah. But then you're like. Well, at least I can say, and I was I was in an awful movie. Like, so at least I I'm on a movie on Netflix. You but know, you sit there. We never give ourselves that, credit, and that's I think. Yeah. But I think we don't give ourselves credit because we want to excel. You seem like the same way. That's but exactly. But people who give themselves too much credit, you're like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? You, you I see it on Facebook all the time yeah. in comics. Yeah, I'm going on the road doing a gig. Yeah, you're driving to San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Two hours. You're doing seven minutes. You're not getting paid. Okay, that's not going on the road. Right. You know, if you you can't put comedian in front of your name if you never got paid for a gig. Exactly. That's just the thing. But I think that's that's good. But so you sold the script. Now was it easy to write with this guy? Because did you have a good relationship? Because writing with people can be hard. Yeah. No. It was. He, he's like one of my best friends. Okay. And and. and uh, he's a UCP performer, and he's you know he's kicking ass now. He's he's so smart, so funny. But it was it was tough because we have very different styles, and um, but there's something he directed my one man show uh, that we that I did, and was that in New York? Yeah, that was okay, New well, York. I'm gonna I want to hear about that because yeah. th- those always interest me. Yeah, and then so you know we we just kind of stumbled into it because we have a mutual friend Scott Armstrong who's a big script writer, and he's like you know I want to hear some pitches. And uh, and he helped us out a lot with like shaping it because we were okay. very naive and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a great experience, and then it was also painful in that we wanted it so badly to happen, and we wanted it to be the sort of like launching point. And then and and I know for myself, like in retrospect, I it, I put so much pressure on on that experience that I think for. It, it just got to the point where it was like, uh, we're driving each other crazy okay. a little bit. But, you know, but it's like, and, and you know, this is all hindsight. It's like, okay, now, I, now I'm better at writing with people because you just got to sit back and be like, it's all going to change anyway, so who cares? Right, exactly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's it's like they're, 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 the studio's going to get and just go, oh, well, you know, there's a movie called The Big Picture. I think Christopher Guest directed it with Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. How this great story about, you know, being at a... Uh, this families get together in a small cabin in, mm-hmm. you know, and they get this scene where he goes, the exactly, like, okay, and now we have girls with bikinis. Yeah. And you see it, and then the script, the guys, and, and of course the writer's going, okay, because he's like, I want to get this made. Right. But then it goes from like, you know, this nice, touching, independent movie to like this girls with bikinis yeah. and an axe murderer, and it's just weird. It's just, yeah. like, you have no control. It's crazy. I mean, you know, yeah. It was everything. We we're like, well, why are we even writing the third act? Because it's going to change. But so, you, so you sold some scripts, and then you you were getting the Sonic commercials. Now, the, then you decided to come to L.A. Yeah. Now, had you been to L.A. before? We had come. Naked Babies had come out to perform a couple times. Uh, hated it when it came out because we always stayed in the worst parts of town and hung around the worst people. Right. Um, but it was just getting to the point in New York. It's like you can either work for Conan or The Daily Show. And Cordry had gotten on The Daily Show then, so... Um, it was like, well, we can't hang our hat on naked babies anymore. And, you know, time to grow up, guys. Um, but, yeah, it's just there's more work out here. Did you do some investigation? Like, a lot of people just come out. Did you do some investigation? No, like, well, I'm not- certain places to live or stuff like that? Or you probably had friends already out here. Yeah, I had come out uh, for a pilot season, and I stayed in Silver Lake, where the area I live now. And I was like, oh, I like this. This reminds me of Brooklyn. Like, that's what I needed, something that was kind of familiar and didn't, okay. didn't feel like everyone had frosted tips and stuff right and um 
and the other thing was I like, didn't want to come out here without representation, and so I lucked into. Uh, I didn't luck into it. I earned it. You got earned it. it. Yes. Yeah. Damn it. Got it. You had commercials. Yeah. You had TV. You had scripts. I'd be stupid not to carry. And they were pilfering it. UCB. They're like, oh, that guy. Okay. I don't know anything about him, but now we're best friends. I'm your agent. You know. But it was Endeavor when they were back when they were Endeavor, and uh, yeah, it was all is really exciting. And then you know now in hindsight, I was like, oh, I wish I had gone with a smaller agency because when you go with a gigantic behemoth, unless you out of the gate sort of like rocket, right? You know. Because I, I got here and I got this uh, VH1 show called Free Radio. It's funny you bring that up. Ah, because and I always I'm giving him this plug. I he always comes up. There's a guy named Patrick O'Sullivan. Uh huh. And he he did the show all about walking. That's ran. For oh a yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Well, we were talking because uh, my first guest, I posted, I said, my guest didn't show up. And he, he's, we rescheduled. It was no problem. Mm-hmm. But Patrick's like, you want me to come down? I'm like, well, by the time you get here, I said, you know, I, Brian Husky's coming in. He's like, oh, I know him. Yeah. Because he was on he was on free radio. Like him and the, the people were on, I guess, for one episode or something. Yeah, they, they came on as like, because it was set in a radio station. And I was like the manager. And he, they would have, you know, guests on air and stuff. Now, how did you get that? I mean, you, you, you were new to town. Now, well, but you had some heat because you did, you, you recognize, and you have a recognizable look. Mm-hmm. You're sort of like me, you're a little receding with the glasses, you yeah, know, yeah. The beard, you know. It's a, it's a unique look. Yeah. And I always call it, it's a unique familiarness. Because people sit there and they, they go, God, it looks familiar. But yes. he doesn't look like that guy. Like, yes. I always do a thing on Facebook. I say, you know, a mix of, you know, if you mix... Uh, Craig from Law and Order SVU mm-hmm. and Cal Ripken, you get me, and I put the pictures up, and yeah. that's the thing. And you have that same look too. It's a, yeah, it's, a, it's generic, but it's original. It's that's weird. It, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but, no, but no, it, no. It's, it's totally true, and you have that look. Yeah, no, and I get mistaken for a lot of people, and then I consistently I get, um, I guess, from my eyebrows down. If I have facial hair, I look like Jason Lee. Like I get that yeah, a lot. You you sort of you you're very similar to my older brother, but you're younger. Yeah. But just like the, the beard, just you look more like him than I look mm-hmm. like him. Yeah. It's just weird. I look like everybody. You do. That's what it is. <laughs> Women, children, exactly. Dogs. I, the naked babies look like naked babies. Yes, exactly. So you come out and now uh, you have the commercial. You get Endeavor, and now how does the show come about? Is it your first audition? Oh. No, it's like um, uh, Anna Vocino, who played the uh, the other on air talent. Uh, was starting to do stuff at Upright Citizens Brigade, and she had seen me perform, and she told her uh, her friend Lance Crawl, who came up with the show, super funny, amazing, nice man. Um, and so she's like, you should see this guy, and I just came in for the audition. And it was like one of the first things I got when I came in the city. And going back to sort of that thing of like, we should give ourselves credit, I got the show, and it was like a sitcom, and it was all improv, and I was like, this is totally what I want to do. This is And amazing. it's not on your IMDb. What? It's not on your... What year was that? Uh, that was... I'm, sc- I'm so scrolling. Bad. Was that before or after the Jeannie Tate show? Uh, before. And Cakey the Cake from Outer Space. <laughs> 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 so, okay, so when I, I didn't see it. So when I first moved out here. When was that? That was seven years ago. Was it's not on it. It's not on here. Oh, that's I don't bull. see it. That's bull As the World Turns when you played Mo was mm-hmm. on. Yes. But that's not... not well... <laughs> That's important. That was a important. So you, you get this free radio now. Are you still are you going out for auditions now? Are you still going out for commercials? Oh, well, I was going to say about that, like you know, the thing about giving yourself credit. I got the show, and my this big time agency was like, yeah, it doesn't make much money. And I was like, I don't care. I'll be working and doing like what you like, amazing, like really funny comedy. And I still had people come up to me and was like, man, I love that show. I really wish it was still on. And uh, and I kind of took that to heart. I was like, oh yeah, I guess it isn't. A network show. I guess this doesn't matter. But then I quickly was like, I love these people. Yeah, it's so you're fun. working. That's the thing. Yeah. You're, you're getting paid. As long as you're getting paid for it, you know, 
it's you're doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you're not getting paid for it, if you're doing it, it's great. It's you yeah. know, people, you know, they some people don't get on stage ever or act. But for you, it's like, yeah, but of course they're looking at it. They're money, there's money machine. That's why it's yeah. show business. Yeah, totally. So that happened and it was a very flush period. Everything was great. Um had the scripts, had Sonic, had that. And then as is the nature of this business, suddenly everything went away. So the scripts, everything. So what, everything. The, what did you do then? Were you just were you very depressed? Or? Freaking out. Yeah, totally freaking out. Uh, my daughter, we had my daughter, we had our, our daughter and my, uh, my wife is in grad school. And just all of a sudden it's just like, because a big adjustment is kind of this thing of, of, of saying like, oh, now I feel safe you know there's right. a certain you, you I know anyone who does you know kind of creative endeavor it's like you're always looking you're always looking at this foggy distance ahead but you have absolute clarity of like what's behind you you're like oh, right man i know what i've done and how much money i've got but i don't know what's ahead and that's scary and that's sort of what happened i was like i don't know what's gonna happen now so it was it was tough it was, there was a tough couple of years that so you, were you getting any work at all or i was getting a lot of work i mean and 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 it was a lot of a lot of guest parts a lot of um uh yeah just a lot of guest parts with like good people you know mckay was really great to me and put me on a bunch of stuff and um and then so it was building up but it was just stressful you okay know, as a as a father and a homeowner yeah that must be hard i know I, I had a guest who was saying the same thing whereas like his wife just had a baby recently and he was on a series for a few years and then it stops and then all of a sudden you see yourself going on these auditions for these commercials and you're mm-hmm. like oh man you know it's like i just had a series but it's like but i have a kid coming so yeah. i can book a national and i'm gonna make the money and it's fine and it's, yeah. it's, it's it's a weird transition i'm sure well the thing that saved saved my mental ass and my financial ass was getting those uh the swagger wagon thing because that was just excuse me i'm burping uh that was really a really great campaign and it was with jody hill who uh does eastbound and down and i like, love that show oh I'm you know what i'm watching this season and after last season i was like i don't know how it's gonna pull back and i'm watching this and it's just that's happened to me so much lately like after when dexter when his uh sister caught him murdering the guy i'm like yeah this show is going to completely suck and then mm-hmm. the writers god bless them come back and they just bring this was a great i mean yeah De- dexter not no season's gonna be better than the lithgow season yeah because john lithgow is just so amazing mm-hmm. but that's like eastbound down i'm like i don't know how it's gonna be and i watched the other night i watched the second episode of the season uh yesterday morning i woke yeah. up because I'm, I'm still in east coast time so i woke up like six in the morning right so i'm like okay i'm gonna try to get back to sleep and i put it on and looks like i always sleep to the tv mm-hmm. and i went when he just walked in and did that, the, 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 did you see it? I haven't seen okay, it. Okay, well, he just, yeah. he's, he's, it's just, it blew me away. It's like, they, it's back. And it's like that, that. Well, they have a great, and I told Jody, like, those guys are really good at, there's a particular uh, North Carolina voice that comes in the music and comedy and writing, I think, that is, um, I don't know what it is. It's very realistic. It's very, um, uh, it, it's it's not universal and kind of like this watered down way of like oh we can all identify with this right it's so specific to like uh, almost like oh I don't want to I don't want to think about that but you're making me think about that right. I feel like they do a really good job of like letting hit that character go to such, and he's such a dick but then you feel, but then you feel bad for him and it's like I always say well he's just Danny McBride is just infinitely like oh he's great 
even like charismatic. My my girlfriend has never seen a show, and I know you were in This Is the End. You were, mm-hmm. in, but we saw that, and she didn't really, she didn't know Danny McBride yeah. really, and she was dying on this character. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, she's he's such a dick. I go, that's his character. But I yeah. know someone who went to college with him. They said he's the nicest guy, super nice. But that's the thing. Well, that's that's so funny. That's such good writing that he, the guy can be a dick and you feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. It's like Mad Men. Don Draper's a jackass. Yeah, the guy is an identity thief. He drinks too much. He's yep. a womanizer. He's just a dick. But he's so but charming. You like him. He's and so charming. Even Brian Cranston in the beginning of Breaking Bad. Yeah, the guy's a murdering meth head. Mm-hmm. I mean, meth dealer. He's a dick. But yeah. but you're like, but we like him. I didn't like him really towards the end. Right. But it's amazing how the, the writing can do that. You just it's, yeah. that's what shows the writing that you actually you like these people that if they were your neighbor you'd be like, that guy's yeah. a douchebag. But that that's that weird thing that I think a good casting director uh, or I don't know, even know, like a good executive can sort of see in somebody be like, oh, there's. There's a, a like a, a common point in this person that everybody's going to link on to, and and I think there's a certain amount of projection you do of like, oh, that guy reminds me of me or my friend right. or somebody I know, and so having that reference point in them, you're like, I get this guy, right. I'll, I'll allow him this, or you know, kind of makes it like your own personal experience. So you did you did the uh, the the commercials with Jody Hill, mm-hmm. and now what year was that? I'm so bad at time. Well, like 2008, 2000. Uh, Let's say that. Sure, sure. but you, you're going through a, a hard time where you weren't getting work and you're yeah. getting work. You're getting guest spots, but not what you wanted. Yeah, it was enough to like, make the month, no money at the end of the month, freak so, out time. So what happened after that? Because I know I see you on everything now. I mean, yeah. I mean you're, in, you're in a ton of stuff. I mean, it's just like in the commercial. Just you, you, You're a very, you work a lot. Yeah. But after that commercial, how did that change? Did that people start recognizing you go, and you're in Veep, which I love Veep. Yeah, I yeah. love that show. I know. But did you, why, did people start noticing you more? Because you, you had already had a, body of work you were working and as I say people sit there you know they go well the guy disappears and someone right, right. so what how, how did that change after the commercials it just made it well one thing that everyone kept saying like it's gonna happen now man which is the worst thing to say to somebody right <laughs> you know what this is it buddy get ready it's gonna get crazy and then it didn't get crazy but it just made I think what it did is it, it kind of unconsciously tricked a lot of people into that they had seen me in other things like I'd go in for uh, uh, auditions that I hadn't met the casting people before or something, and they're like, "I've seen you in a lot of things. I've seen you on what have I seen you in?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I work a lot." And they would just kind of fill in the blanks for themselves, which is great. Which is it, great. It makes you come in like you know, like a first round draft choice. Yeah. Like, oh well, this guy we know he can do the job. Yeah. He's done the job. We don't have to worry. You know, he's been working, so he's not a douche. Right. And you then, know, then it must be great for you. Yeah. And you just do those things. Like, well, I've worked so much, I lose track of what I've done. And you probably never gave yourself credit for that. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're like, oh, well. No, totally. Inside, I'm just stabbing myself. I'm like, <laughs> and it's like, you're going to find out I'm a fraud. What am I doing here? Well, you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're, you've been in so much stuff. Now, the Onion News, when, well, no, that was, uh, how long did it go for? That was, so, when I was, when I was in New York, they started to do that uh, for their web series on, on their, the, the onion.com. And they were, they had, they, they uh, brought in a lot of, uh, UCB improvisers and at first they were having us just improvise everything it's like you guys are discussing um, you know dolphins are taking over technology whatever weird idea they had and we would improvise and then the second time we did it they they realized that they're the most brilliant writers in America and they're like we don't need you guys to, to flesh out our ideas we'll do it and from then on they just they they just they locked in and I think they did the, some of the funniest comedy ever now, did you enjoy did you enjoy doing that show I loved it loved okay. it i mean i love doing the the web series um i love doing the um the tv show 
all those guys are just super nice guys and really humble and, and just really sort of in the pocket of what they're good at and what their voices are. And, you know, but they, the, uh, the onion moved from New York back to Chicago and pissed off a lot of those people who uprooted themselves to New York. Right. And so they lost a lot of those great writers who are now out here and now they're writing on community and, uh, Brooklyn nine, nine and, and pitching stuff and, it's just amazing. I like, look at you. You've been on like it's so funny. You've been on so many good shows. And yeah. It's like I mean, it just and it's cool. Now, now I know you're on, you know, the girl up front, the receptionist, loves Bob's Burgers. Mm. I, I didn't know you were on there until I was doing this. Yeah. You were talking about because Ron Lynch was on last week. Who's been on Bob's Burger? And Andy right. Kindler's been on. She's like, yo, I love that show. And yeah. then I, it's just ironic that you were on it. Now, was that your first doing voice? some tomorrow? You, was that your first voice work or that you? was? Yeah, I mean, as far as a cartoon show and stuff, I I, I have a voiceover art uh, uh, agent and. Um, Audition for him all the time. Couldn't crack it. Can't crack it. Um, and then I think it was John Schrader, Big John. They call him Big John. Brought me in, just suggested me for this one part, uh, regular size Rudy, which is the first time I did it. And then yeah, they just they've been really great. They've been super sweet, and they keep bringing me back for for different parts. And it's, now, do you enjoy it? I mean, a lot of people yeah. say it's the easiest gig because you go in, you nail your lines, you're out. It's like it's, it it's like you're like okay, I'm gonna go in. I'm getting paid the same as yeah. something else, and I just I don't have to work that long. Yeah, it's amazing. It's super great, but it's also like I, they're awesome. Like they're just it's it's a funny show, and you sort of and 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 um they encourage you to make it your own. Like they don't sort of say like, no, do this kind of voice. They just let you try it. And if it doesn't work, they say it. But now are all those people LA based? Cause I thought I, I see Eugene Merman, no, but he's out in New York. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John Benjamin, Benjamin's out there. Uh, Eugene, Bobby Tisdale. Uh, they're all in New York. And so I was, I was there this weekend. So I did, they do a table read and I went to do their side of the table read patched in from New York. And so okay. we were just like in a little booth. All right. So now, now some others. What was the you were you were in? Um, this is the end, whatever. Yeah. Now, what was that? The, what uh, was that like? I mean, because there's such that's so such great. a cool cast, and like as we watched it, we just said, "Here's what they did. These guys who wrote this just sat together and got stoned, yeah. and wrote this." And I, one of my friends didn't like it, and I'm like, oh, really? I thought it was hysterical. My yeah. girl, me and my girlfriend I loved were it. dying, and I remember we had we wanted to see it, and then this movie theater was sold out right mm-hmm. like in the middle of a summer. Saturday afternoon, we everyone should be on the Jersey Shore. So we drove to this other place and we got it for like six bucks. And yeah. I was like, it, like, hardly anyone was in there, yeah. which I like because you can laugh more. But I had no, the thing about it, I had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. And that's the best thing when you go into a movie because, you know, and I was just laughing my yeah. ass off. I came out, uh, you know, if I, even if I hadn't been in it, I, the, if my reaction was like, it made me feel like 17 year old self who loves comedy. When I came out, I was like so jazzed by right. it. Right. So it was just so funny. It was so it's just funny. so out there. It's just so, it's such a bizarre, weird script. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like there's, it's so original. Yeah. It's almost scary. Well, it's, the best thing they did was like they didn't stick to one, you know, like the here are douchebags surviving the apocalypse. It's like they were kind of doing that, and but then they would veer off into what each character was and let them just explore that you know i mean those guys are really good like it is always about the characters it's always about the personalities and the storyline 
is around that. So what know? was it like shooting? Was it a fun set? Because so it, it seems like they're very close, all those guys. So it must yeah. have just been like a bunch of guys hanging out. Probably like when you started out with your comedy with UCB, yeah. I mean, it's probably the same with you and your guys and Naked Babies. It's probably the same, that same feeling with them. Yeah, no, they're they're great. And they're, you know, they're all really uh, receptive and, you know, just hang out. It was, they, we shot in New Orleans and um, I was there for. Like my my scene took half a day to shoot, but I was there for two two days on set because they didn't know when they were going to get to me. Um, and there's just like a big it was in this warehouse that literally when it rained we had to they had to stop because the the that place had tin roofs. Okay, so it's like <laughs> um, so once a day they had to stop for the the cloud to roll through, and then uh, it was just like a big closed set and it, you know set in James Franco's. Uh, house so the we sat in the living room area and uh yeah it's just like this big enclosed thing and you just kind of wander onto set and shoot it and wander off back into this big green room where they have like a pool table and video okay, games and stuff been, that must have been so chill yeah it was really nice and they're all really nice guys and 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 they all love comedy they love what's funny and that was you know somebody asked me like what's one of my proudest moments that was one of my proudest moments of like the very first take i did i like kind of destroyed all of them they just didn't know i was going to do what i okay did and that felt great you know because i was like oh these are all these kind of young hotshot right comedy guys and i had been in super bad and they're like oh yeah we totally forgot you've been in super because they weren't on set when i was shooting and i got a little screwed in that because the boy i was shooting my scenes with um greg matola had me improvise this whole thing where i was praying for his salvation he kept laughing he kept laughing and the director is like if you keep laughing, we can't use any of this. And he's like, I know, but it's so funny. And I'm like, kid, you're killing me. Yeah. <laughs> and then sure enough, they, they use, I, I saw Greg Matola again. He was like, yeah, they couldn't use any of it. That sucks. <laughs> I was like, but, yeah, it's, now, now children's hospital you're involved in. Yeah. Now, now that's uh Rob show, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now did, did you, did he say, I want you on the show or did you have to go through an audition process? Yeah. Say, yeah. You know, it, it started off as a web series and he was like, I don't know what this is going to be, but you know, if you have any ideas of what kind of character you might want to do, and at first, we were maybe going to have me sort of be like the Henry Winkler type, uh, you know, HR guy or the, the administrative guy. And then and then he just said, what if you were a, a paramedic? And then we got into the idea of like, what if you're a paramedic, you could be a serial killer um, or has sort of a weird twist to him. But over over the progression of the seasons, Chet has become less sort of like a threat. Okay. And more he's just, now he's just a weird Now you write for that show too also, right? Yeah, I wrote three episodes i think now yeah. how is that because i mean you know you went from movies, i mean it's writing it's so tv is so different i know it's like all double space you have to double mm-hmm. space everything it's not like a screenplay yeah and uh did you did you write it by yourself or did you write it with their their staff or well how? what we what we do is at the beginning of each season um we have a big round table of people to just pitch ideas you know because that 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 world that they've established is so it can go off in any direction, you know, so it can be like suddenly they're abducted by aliens or something, right. which is a terrible pitch, but, you know, that kind of thing. So just just lob a whole bunch of different ideas and you kind of talk about what's something that might be good for this character or that character. And then they sort of go off and they assemble, uh, they sort of go off and sort of choose the ideas they like and, and do rough outlines of what they think might be good. And then they come back and say like, why don't you write this episode? Okay. So they give you a little bit of like, here, here are the here are the plot points we'd like to incorporate, but they don't tell you 
what else happens okay. or, or what jokes are going to do. All right. We have about five minutes left. So oh, time flies. But Let's it was, do it. But I want to talk about Veep now. Now, mm-hmm. how, that is such a cool show. And Julie Louise Dreyfus is just like comedy royalty. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, she was so great. I, I've been watching the old Seinfeld. She was so great as Elaine. Yeah. How did that come apart, that come along? That was, I, uh, I tested for it. I was like, I was up for one of the parts. And um, Armando Iannucci is just a really, he said to all the people who were testing that day, he's like, you're all here for a reason. I think you're all really you have like a unique quality that I'm really interested in. If you don't get a part like as a main cast, I will bring you in in, in some other capacity, which he's done like with me and Dan back at all. And um, who else I'm trying to think who else is there? You're sort of a jerk. Yeah, I'm a total because um, you, you go like being nice and a lot of stuff. Now you're yeah. like a dick. It's like, I love being a dick. And you're like, it so must be fine. great because you're a nice guy. And yeah. it, you know, it's so funny. And I love that. But something I love about doing the show is I meet so many people or stuff, and you see they go, God, that guy's such a dick. And then they come and they're the nicest guy. But yeah. it's, it must be easy playing a dick because you're just like screw it. I mean, it must it must just be fun. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. I loved it. I, I love and I'm you know they're shooting right now and I'm like oh. Or will you be back on? Do you know? I or? don't know. So they they, they still call know. you. And now your character is Leon the, West. Was he the writer? He no. is. A, yeah, he's the known as the Beltway Butcher. Okay, and he's uh, he's just sort of a pain in their ass, and they're so bad at their jobs that it's not hard to do to right. sort of like you know mess them up. But yeah, it's great. He he's uh, it's a he he's one of the, he one of those directors who um, creates an environment where it's a collective. And we're all sort of building this together. And there's something about comedy that is about a group effort. There's no one voice. And so you feel totally safe in trying things, in in uh, participating. And sometimes when I go and do a gig and, and they're very controlling or they're very, you know, it feels like it's one person's execution. Right. I just, I can't, uh, I don't do as well. It's hard, you know. So what can we see in coming up soon? I see you're going to be in, in The Neighbors. Uh, yeah. I mean, Patrick Sullivan's in that, too. Oh, yeah? He's oh, that's cool. A recurring character. Yeah. Yeah, I play uh, Seth Rogen's uh, pathetic boss in that. Um, uh, I'm going to be in The Goldbergs. I just saw that show. It's very funny. Is it funny? And it's funny is it, it? I saw the kid with the flyer shirt, and I grew up near Philadelphia. And then I saw George Siegel's license at Jenkintown, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. And the best thing about that show is at the end, it's all based on the kid's real family. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. At the yeah, end, yeah. they show the clips of the dad, and it's just the guy. It's good. Yeah. It's a, so that when, when do you know when that's going to air? I don't know. I have to track down which episode it is. So you're on like Sullivan and Son. Sullivan and Son, which is already shown. Right. I did another. This is this sounds like oh I don't remember, but I did something the other day that I. Oh, uh, bur- pu- pu- oh, it's getting away from me. It's uh, Cheryl Hine. Um, it's a uh, suburgatory. Okay, I'm gonna be on that, and then uh, a bunch of Bob's Burgers, which I'm recording one tomorrow. Any commercials coming up? Um, I have a Subway ad in which I'm with a tiger. Hopefully, it'll run. You never know. It could be the Snickers incident. Were you scared working with the tiger? Yeah, I w- well, I, it, it would terrify me. It, it would actually it would terrify me. Not to brag, second experience working with the tiger. What was the first one? Uh, it was for a Midwestern like. Uh, dot com or okay. like a, a comcast kind of thing but this one they they kind of did that thing where like oh hey by the way the tiger's gonna sit right next to you on this desk is that cool because we're about to shoot and i was like no it's not cool you haven't <laughs> talked to us about yes. that at all and they're like well you know we really need to shoot it's like well i really need to talk to my agent and so they're like all right we won't do that 
and basically they were just trying to save time, which I understand, but I don't want to die. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to, it's like, yeah, you, yeah it's, great it's, sandwiches, but I won't die for them. I know, but they're okay sandwich. I, okay. You, know, you, know, you lived in New York. I have yeah. to say they're great because, yeah. you know. They, they are good, stuff. they are good. A lot, a lot of sodium people, you know my take on sodium, <laughs> because they always say it's a, the five milligrams of that, and but they say the six inch, they say $5 foot long, but the stuff they give you is for six inch. That's right, all the same. right. And who knows what Al Jared's doing now. Exactly. Be a I don't think he's ever fat. Well, I'll talk to you about that. <laughs> I think it's, not. I want to thank you for coming on. Now, how can thank people so get much. in touch with you? I know you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at thebrianhusky.com. The Brian Husky. The Brian Husky. I'm also, I'm a huge Instagram fan. Okay. Um, and I used to be a photographer, so I love people I, get, I, I have to follow stuff. you on that then. It's the same thing. It's The Brian Husky. Okay. And then I have a fan page on Facebook called The Brian Husky's Brian Husky Fan Page. I, I thank you, thank you for coming. I've seen you on TV. Thank and you so Have a nice guy. It was really fun. Uh, so yeah, people, check him out. Follow me at Twitter at Cooper Talk. Also, um, send me an email Cooper at Indy One Hundred I N D I E One Hundred dot com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, every almost every Thursday night, you can tune into midnight Pacific Coast time for the Big Daddy Graham Show on W ninety four WIP in Philadelphia. I do a fifteen minute segment there talking about just. Hollywood and stuff like that. Uh, Facebook, uh, Cooper Talk fan page. You can go in there and I have all pictures of my guests and you can click and it takes you right to my website, coopertalk.net, where I have about 190 episodes up. Also go to iTunes, type in Cooper Talk one word and you can find all my episodes. And next Wednesday, I'll be at Sardo's doing comedy for Jeff Kazajian. It's an eight o'clock show. It's free to get in at Sardo's in Burbank. I'm going to thank you. I'm only as hip as my guests and you guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.